Welcome to Women Waken, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and early life conditioning to shift from a place of codependency to a state of divine feminine love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has faced most of the issues that I discuss on this show. On today's Identify and Heal solo episode, I'm talking about how to stop the cycle of obsessive thinking, of rumination, of fixations, things that just sort of grab a hold of us, that just seem to race around and around in our minds, which can be so exhausting and also just feel so imprisoning in terms of feeling like we can't let go of a certain concept, memory, action, decision, just keep replaying it, thinking about it over and over. And I wanna offer some ways about how we can break out of that rumination cycle and have greater freedom and peace mentally. So take a listen and enjoy. Hey everybody, Whitney here with an Identify and Heal solo episode. This week on this episode, I want to discuss the topic of obsessive thinking. I believe this is something that almost all of us can relate to at one point or another in our life. For some people, it's more frequent, more common a greater hindrance, challenge, burden on us because obsessive thinking can truly feel so incredibly brutal. It can really feel almost torturous when we have something that we can't let go of, that we just keep ruminating over, going over in our minds over and over over again. The way something happened, something we said, something somebody said to us, the way somebody responded to us, the way somebody might feel about us, just wondering and thinking and obsessing over these things, playing things over and over again in our head. Obsessive thinking can also play into things like addictions and eating disorders and body dysmorphia, where we become fixated. We have a fixation around how we look or something that we compulsively want to do, right? So of course, it also can tie into obsessive compulsive disorder when we're obsessively, again, ruminating, thinking about wanting to carry out an obsession, carry through with a compulsion, wanting to check how we look in the mirror, wanting to fixate on the way that something looks, the way our body looks, the way our face looks, looking in a mirror. We can get so drawn into that and so tied into this obsessive thinking, almost like our world and our mind just kind of gets whittled down to this one thing that we're just sort of spinning around in. Anybody who's been stuck in an episode of obsessive thinking or who struggles with obsessive thinking throughout the day knows what I'm talking about. I've spoken several times before about my struggle with an eating disorder for many, many years from about the time I was 14 until my late 20s with a few relapses between my late 20s and now. 
I used to keep a journal when I was in, in high school, and that's when it was at its height. I would say that my teen years, so from 14 until into my 20s, but especially high school and college. And I remember thinking, I wonder what I used to think about. I remember asking myself, I wonder what I used to think about before I had an eating disorder because that's all I think about. I remember sitting down and thinking that one time, and then I used to think about it all the time that that's all I thought about was eating and my weight and how much I ate and how much I needed to work off and what my weight was and how I need to get my weight down and how many calories I burned and how many calories I ate. And it was just, it consumed everything. And I would think about it obsessively and I couldn't let it go. It had nowhere to go. It was just stuck in there. And I really didn't know what I used to think about. And I would wonder like, what would it be like to not think about these things, to not be so obsessively consumed with thoughts about this? And the answer is that it feels wonderful and it feels freeing when that dissipates and it goes away. Yet the challenging thing about obsessive thinking, sort of like how wrapped up I was in thinking about my eating disorder, is you can't just force it away. It went away for me because I dealt with the fear and anxieties that fueled that obsession, the fears that I was not good enough, that there was something wrong with me, and the only thing I had control over was working with food and calories and my weight. That was the only thing I felt I had to control whether my worth could go up or my value was enough. And if I was overweight, I felt totally worthless. And if I lost weight, I felt like I was better. I felt like I was of greater value. So it's all I thought about. And that only changed once I began to do my own therapy and work on building genuine self-esteem and confidence that had nothing to do with how I looked or my weight. And that took a long time. And it's not to say that I live free from tying my value into externals. I think it's by degrees, right? We shift by degrees. It's just turned down so much. It's almost just a whisper. I still can get caught up. I definitely get caught up in obsessive thinking at times about how I look and wishing things were different. And you get caught in those loopholes, right? That's sort of why I'm bringing up this episode is how do we manage it? I think most of us struggle with obsessive thinking. The question is, how do we manage it? How do we deal with it? What do we do when it fires up? Because that's what I would say, obsessive thinking, it's, it's has a fieriness to it. I was thinking that today because I was thinking obsessively. I was going for a walk and I've shared a bit on the show, but I've struggled. This year has been very transformative in terms of having falling outs with people in my lo- in my life, with family members and with friends and different experiences and instances that were really challenging and really upsetting and caused fallouts. And when those things happen, there's a lot of data and a lot of context to consider, right? Well, who said what? Who did what? Who's at fault? How am I at fault? Where am I justified? Where am I not justified? What are my blind spots? What am I not seeing about myself? We can go again around and around, right? Whether it's a fallout or a breakup, or not getting something we thought we would get, like at a job or finding out that somebody said something about us, any of these things that seem to bear, that seem to weigh on how we view ourselves, think of ourselves, right? Like, did I cause this? Was this my fault? That affects how we think of ourselves. And that can lead to this obsessive thinking of getting stuck in this whirlpool because we can't figure it out right? That's why we go around and around. That's what obsessive thinking is. There's no resolution here. 
It, I mean, it's just, you know, the cousin of worrying, right? It's the cousin of anxiety. It's a pointless, fruitless, futile task that we occupy ourselves with. And I think that's another reason why obsessive compulsive, obsessive thinking is so common is because when we're used to a busy mind, it almost feels strange to not have something that we're kind of chewing on in there, right? So some people even have, it might not be something as drastic as ruminating over a breakup and why it happened and who did what and why did this happen and why did he say that and why did he do this? And, you know, it can be just something like thinking obsessively about something that happened in the past, about the way something played out, again, about like something in our, about how we look, our bodies. I do think that this sort of a need for mental occupation plays a role to a certain degree in disorders and in addictions. We've learned to not be comfortable with stillness, with an empty mind, right? Which is basically the whole concept of Buddhism and Taoism is quieting the mind. That's why we develop meditation is recognizing that actually having no thoughts or having stillness or having a blank mind can be a positive thing, can be a wonderful thing, because all these thoughts are made up, right? All these worries are made up. They say that the cause of all suffering is attachment, an attachment to the way we think things should be. And that's what causes this, this rumination, right? Well, I shouldn't look this way, so I'm, I'm so scared. I'm so scared that this problem with how I look is going to affect my life, my value, my future. So we obsess and we obsess about our weight or about our face or about our hair, or any number of things, right? People obsess about bizarre things to us, right? And you can obsess over anything. I had a client once who had a lot of tattoos and he had one tattoo on his leg and he came in to see me and he said, I had this tattoo on my leg and it was absolutely beautiful. It was perfect. And then I decided that I didn't really like this one part of it. So I shaded it in and now I hate it. I hate it. I look at it every day and I hate it. And he's like, and I think about getting it removed. He's like, I haven't thought about getting my part of my leg removed because I hate it so much. Can you imagine having that much hate? But we do that to ourselves, right? And it's not just the tattoo, right? And I was so stunned by him sharing this because I had felt this way about how I look in the past, that I thought that it was ruined, that I thought that I was just never going to have the life I wanted because of how I looked, that all these thoughts, that it was just like I needed to do something about it. And that's what this guy was saying. And he was so convinced. And I look at his leg and I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and most of us will say that, right? If you've ever encountered somebody who had body dysmorphic disorder or an eating disorder, you know, somebody who no matter what believes that they're too heavy. And we look at them and we say, what do you, what do you mean? How, how could you think that? But that's a problem. You can never really ask somebody that. You can't really ask someone, how could you think that? Because they're living in their own mind and we're not there. We make up a lot of stories. You do it. I do it. We all do it. And to the outside world, it seems incomprehensible. But to us, it feels logical. It feels like, no, this is a valid concern. And I will sit here with my crazy fired up brain until I figure it out. But it's not, you can't figure it out because it's a made up problem. How can you figure out something that has no solution? Because it was never a problem in the first place. <laughs> right? And even something like if you are ruminating over an argument, which is what I was doing today, I was going over a fallout that had happened and the situations that had transpired that led to it and just that brutal sort of, it's almost like, you know, someone's just like slamming into your head, like, why did this happen? And were they right? Or were you right? And how are, you know, 
just trying to make sense of it and going over and over and there's no resolution. It's especially when it has to do with a falling out that was based in a fight or disagreement, you can go around and around the conversation and try to get an answer that again isn't there because it would take two people to have a discussion. And if that was attempted and didn't work out and now two people are no, are no longer in communication, you're just sort of left there thinking about it. And it can be torture. It can be absolute torture. People will say that about you know, if they had a fight with a partner and then they cut him off, they blocked him and they weren't able to reach out to, to resolve it. That We all seek closure, right? People say that all the time. Well, I just, I know I shouldn't have talked to them again, but I just needed closure. It's because it feels horrible to have things not resolved. Humans don't do well with that. Most of us don't. I know some people, my dad is one of them, could care less. If somebody has a problem with him, if he finds out that somebody said something about him or somebody, well, I don't care. I don't give a shit. And I would always look at him and be like, what? Like, how do you, what pill do you have to take to feel that way? How did you get that? How come I didn't get that from you? Because I worry about everything and everything that anyone thinks or anything I ever did, I overthink it. And the ironic thing is it doesn't make me much better off. You know, I still make mistakes. I still offend people. There's still plenty of people who don't care for me (laughs) too much because we're all human and we're not for everybody and we're not going to get along with everybody and we can't control what people think about us. But that's also what can be in our lovely obsessive thinking stew is why doesn't that person like me? Why don't people like me? What did this person think of me? Which again is, is just torturing yourself because you'll never know, especially if it's someone that you like ran into in the grocery store who seemed to be rude to you. And you wonder like, oh my God, they hated me. <laughs> why? Or if you had somebody you work with, like a coworker, and you just get this feeling that they just don't really like you and they're not that nice to you and they're nicer to other people, but not to you. And you're like, is it because I dress weird? Is it because I said something wrong one time? Is it because I my general attitude? You all know what I'm talking about. Life gives you plenty of opportunities to question who you are and how you're perceived. People's perception of us, most of these things tie into that, right? Obsessively worrying about how we look wouldn't really be a problem if we lived on a deserted island. We're worried about how we're perceived and we're worried about how we're perceived because we most likely were somewhat bullied or traumatized or abused or hurt by somebody based on how we look. Or even beyond that, even if we just felt neglected and abandoned or discarded or like we didn't matter, we can disassociate that with an external. And again, we sort of displace it onto that, right? We say, well, I don't know what to do internally, but I can fixate on, okay, if I just looked better, if I just looked different, if I just acted different, then I wouldn't have to worry about being rejected. Then I wouldn't be hurt. So I'll focus on that. That's why so many of us project our internal fears onto the outside. We try to get money. We try to get status. We try to be intelligent enough, have achieved enough, to look good enough, to have enough, because our inside world feels so out of our control. So we put it into the outside. And I have many clients like that. It, it ties in a lot to OCD, right? Your insides just feel totally twisted and it feels impossible to find peace and resolve within. So we put our worries into something that feels at least more tangible, not so nebulous. Someone who's obsessive about whether it's, you know, having to tap things or touch things a number of times or just being very hyper aware of those sort of things, it's because at least that gives you something tangible to focus on and fixate on. 
and obsess over. Whereas the internal struggles you feel at a loss, like there's just this big ocean of emotions and feelings that you have no ability to control. So (laughs) suffice to say, I'm really validating the fact that obsessive thinking is a powerful thing. It really is because we're, again, attributing and pushing all these other emotions and feelings and fears behind it into this wave that just goes straight into our brain and just washes over us and takes over this tidal wave of obsession. So the question comes up of what can we do? What can we do when we are caught in a big old whirlpool of rumination? We're getting sucked under. We're going on a walk like I was today. And we're just, we just feel like it's just banging in our heads. And I remember I was thinking today, I was like, I can't even enjoy this beautiful walk. I was walking through this lovely park called Lincoln Town Park. That's wrong. Lincoln Woods Park. Lincoln Woods Park. I remember because I was thinking, oh, it's like, it's Lincoln Park. But no, it's Lincoln Woods Park. Like the band, you know? (laughs) And I, it was so beautiful. The fall, the leaves are starting to fall more and more, but there's still those gorgeous colors. And I'm, it's in Rhode Island. I made it to Rhode Island my first time here. I think this is state number 46 out of 50. Now I just have to hit up Connecticut, where I'm going later this weekend, and then Delaware. And then I've done everything except for Alaska. Sorry about that tangent. But I was doing my walk and I was like, I cannot even just enjoy this walk because I'm ruminating over this thing that happened months ago that it's doing me no good to go over again. And so that's what got me thinking about doing this episode. And I was like, okay, well, if I want to offer to people what they can do, what can help with their obsessive thinking, what am I going to do right now? How am I going to move through this, quiet down my mind, let go of this cycle, this rumination, this obsessive thinking, and enjoy myself? So a few things you can do. One is recognizing that What we are doing, like I said, is we are firing something up. Any mental attack like that, like any obsessive rumination cycle, it starts as a little seedling, similar to a panic attack. A panic attack is just like a a rumination that gets blown totally out of proportion, right? It just gets blown up out of the water. You get that fear that something's wrong, that you're going to panic, and then you do rumination is just sort of like stewing it's just going around again like a whirlpool but it's something that's very fired up and to give it credit worry has its own life force it really is like the storm that comes through your brain so we want to honor it that's why i was saying you can't just like push it away you know when i was stuck for years in rumination and obsessive thinking around food and calories and weight and eating i couldn't just make it go away i had to do the deep work to address what was underneath that big old whirlpool of force, that big old fire. But something like getting caught up in a conversation that happened that you didn't like how it went or a fallout with a friend doesn't have so much power because we're not relying on it the way we do an eating disorder or an addiction to get through our days, to fixate on, to displace our emotions onto. We're having a real emotion. We're having a real feeling. We're having fear. Did I behave poorly? Was I the cause of this? Was I at fault? Where was I at fault? We have a lot of questions. So, and these are worrisome questions, right? We worry because we're concerned that there's something we need to be afraid of. There's something that we did that was bad, that was wrong, that we need to be concerned about. 
So I just want to say that because we have to honor it and say, okay, there's a worry here. There's a worry that's stewing in my mind, yet it's not doing me any favors. It's not getting me anywhere to continue and perpetuate this worry. So what are some steps I can take to let it die down rather than flare it up? So I noticed on my walk, I was, I was fanning the flames of it. I was like, yeah, you know, well, they said this and I said this and well, this shouldn't have happened. And just going, really feeding it, which I've done many times around the situation. And I realized that it was just getting me more worked up and again, more distracted, less present in this beautiful setting, walking through this beautiful park in a state that I'd never been to before in the beautiful autumn. I was it was like the noise was getting louder and louder and it detaches you, right? You really do kind of detach from your surroundings when you're all up in your head. So I thought, okay, rather than fanning it, how can I help to let this fire die down? This fire of worry and concern and obsessive thinking, how can I die it down? I can restate some things about the situation. One is that it's done and it's over with and that maybe one day, this friend and I will resolve things. Fallouts and unfortunate events, experiences with a person tend to shift energetically over time. I've spoken to this before because I recently had a friend that 10 years ago we had a fallout and then we happened to touch base again more recently. And it was like, and it was so easy for both of us to just say, Hey, I'm really sorry about what happened 10 years ago. And we're like, yeah, I'm sorry too. Let's forget about it. If we had tried that five years ago, nine years ago, it wouldn't have worked. There was still too much fired up energy there. There was still too much frustration, too much tension there. In a lot of cases, time can dissipate and help to shift energy because not only did time change it, but both of us had changed. So we were different. We weren't the same people that we were. So sometimes you just have to trust. You have to let something go until it's the right time to revisit it. And try to reconnect with somebody. So I recognized that. And I thought, you know, you've gone over this a lot. And you kind of know all the components here. And going over it, each time you do it, you get upset again. And this is similar also to people who have been through trauma. And as a trauma therapist, I believe that there is a time and a place for some people to speak their truth. And that sometimes to do that for the first time can be incredibly cathartic for someone who has experienced something so upsetting and so dark and so terrifying to, to sit with alone and speaking it out can be very powerful for them. Yet at a certain point, if people just keep repeating it over and over, each time they share that story, their body kind of reawakens to the same response it had to that event. The same thing can happen with obsessive thinking is that we allow this thought to creep in. We allow like, oh yeah, well, you know, We haven't talked in a while because of what happened. And then we get pulled back into the event. We get pulled back into the fight, the fallout. It could be a breakup, right? Maybe you're really trying to get over an ex, which I've done an episode on and I have to do another one because we all know that trying to get over an ex is one of the hardest things in the world and can involve so much obsessive thinking. If you're in that state, my heart goes out to you. And if you'd like to hear an episode on that, please do let me know because it's something that I do. I remember when I had a breakup. I was scouring the internet for videos, for any kind of podcast videos that talked about how to deal with it because it was so brutal. 
It was so brutal. I ruminated and obsessively thought over every single conversation and questioning their motive and what they said and if they meant it and how did things happen, how they did. And oh man, talk about brutal, obsessive thinking. Anyways, most of the time, there is nothing to be gained by replaying everything and rehashing it. So we can let the flames die down by actively choosing not to fan the flames, by not saying, yeah, let's, let's review what, what they said and then what I said and what happened here and what happened this day and that day and how things turned out. We can take a moment to acknowledge, I have a choice. I do have a choice. I can choose to divert my thoughts to something else. I can choose to not keep running around in circles with this event run around in circles about this thing that I'm fixated on and divert my thoughts, shift my thoughts to something else. Something that works for me is as an initial deviation. I find that like once you find something tangible to shift your thoughts into, then you'll kind of just, you know how thoughts work. Like you think about one thing and it leads down the road to all, you could be thinking about something completely different. But get let something distract you. So what works for me is planning. If I'm really caught up in a rumination, in an obsessive thinking pattern, I'll shift to planning because then it's it's almost like solving a puzzle. It helps distract your mind. And I'll think, okay, well, what am I going to do after this walk? Well, I have to go here and then I'm going to feed the dog and then I have to see a client and then tomorrow I'm doing this. So it helps you really kind of move. And also I'm a Virgo. So for me, planning is very soothing and calming. <laughs> I'm, I'm happiest when I'm planning and figuring out and scheduling things. But for you, it might be even like thinking about the plot of a movie, thinking about something that makes you laugh, thinking about a good time that you had, anything to shift from this. Because what we're really doing is we're saying, this needs to sit. This box does not need to be open right now. Like I said, sometimes it just takes time. So we close up the box and we say, maybe I'll get back to you later. And this goes back to honoring the worry, right? Worry is the life force. So we're not trying to blast it out into the ethers because you can't. And also, as they say, what you resist persists. So when we try to be like, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to worry about how my skin looks today. I'm just, I'm not going to care. I'm going to stop caring. If it's not true, it's not true. And telling ourselves that we won't care isn't going to solve it. If we try to push it away and resist it, it's going to come right back, sometimes with a vengeance. So instead we can say, okay, I'm worried about my skin. I'm worried there's something wrong. I'm going to have to go take medication. I'm worried it's not going to clear up. This is just a different example, more related to physical fixations, right? But it could be about thinking about a breakup. And we say, this is not helping me. I can put this away. I can let this worry go back in its box and I can move on to something else. And that can kind of help you get through the moment because often obsessive thoughts, we don't even realize it. And then we'll be, we'll, at the end of the day, we'll be like, God, I spent most of the day thinking about that, like all day. I didn't stop when I was driving, when I was at work. When I was going to meet my friend for dinner, I was just thinking over and over around the situation or about my hair or about my skin, whatever it might be. So then in order to prevent further obsessive thinking episodes, what you can do, a few things that I find helpful. One is to make a decision to say, okay, I'm going to have designated rumination time. This is what I offer to clients who are highly anxious or having some OCD challenges is to see if you can give yourself an increment of time once a day. To just let 
you know, worry your little heart out. Just sit down and say, okay, I'm worried about my skin because I broke out three times this week and I'm worried it's not going to get better. And do I need to take medication or change my diet and da, 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 and just worry about everything possible you can worry about. And then say, okay, that's my little pocket of time. That's the stretch for it. And now I'm done. And now when I have a temptation to scratch that itch and think about it, I'm going to say, no, I can wait until tomorrow for the next pocket. It's not a cure-all. It's not to say this is going to free you from it, but it can be helpful helpful for some people because it is like scratching an itch. So if we let ourselves scratch it real deep for like five, 10 minutes, and then we decide, nope, okay, now it's done for the day. If I want to come back to it tomorrow, I can. The other thing that's helpful is, is to write it out. Writing is very powerful to take that next level towards resolve. Because again, when we're just up in our mind worrying, basically nothing is getting resolved. There's not a lot of productive, active resolution happening. However, if you sit down and you actually break it down and say, okay, what is it I'm worried about? Okay, I'm worried about that breakup that happened last year with that guy because now he has a new girlfriend. Okay, well, what are you worried about? I'm worried that he likes her more than me. I'm worried that means that I wasn't good. Do you see what I'm getting at here? You break it out. Well, what am I actually worried about? List the main things. Well, what what's my, what am I afraid of because of those things? Well, I'm afraid that I won't meet somebody as good and I'm worried. I'm wondering why he likes her more than me. Just putting down, writing out what it is exactly that you're afraid of, what you're concerned about, why you're wanting to think about this so much. Because when we write things down, we can look at it. It becomes more tangible and we say, oh, okay, well, there it is. I've, I've listed it out. It's almost like an outline for a book, right? All right. Well, here's like the title. Here's the intro. Here's what the different chapters that I keep coming back to. And that's it. That's what it's all about. Have I gone over this chapter? Yeah. Yeah. I've gone over that one many times. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go for today. I might have to come back to it. But right now I can look at these chapters broken out and I can say, I've been through it. I've looked up and down and all around those different scenarios and how things played out. And there's nothing there that has made me feel better or that's felt like it's been figured out. But at least you can look at it and be like, okay, this is the story. This is the story of my breakup. These are the things that still haunt me that I still ruminate about. At least looking at it can just give you a little bit of resolve and clarity about why you keep coming back to it right? Because there's a reason you keep coming back to it. There's something, again, egging you on. There's something like itching in their brain that's like, I have to figure this out. So putting it into paper and into words, articulating it, writing it can be strong. And then once you've done that, sometimes the next step that can be helpful is to look at taking account for your part in what happened and then also acknowledging and validating your frustrations, right? Because that's what I tend to do is I go back and forth of was this my fault or their fault? Was this my fault or their fault? The answer is always both. Nothing is ever one-sided. There are two people involved in something, then it's never just 100% on one person's shoulders. It's not like a rear-ending accident where they always say that if you rear-end somebody, it's always the person's fault who rear-ends them. That's not how most situations work. There's two people involved. There's both people were part of it. So we let ourselves sit down and write it out. What was my part? What are my valid frustrations? And then once you do that, once you've taken it out of your part, you can then say, okay, something that's going to help me to stop ruminating about this is to recognize what I can do differently next time. 
and think about what have I learned from this situation? Because that is the only thing that we can do. At a certain point, what's done is done. What happened is what happened. And there are some answers and resolves that we will never get. So all we can do is do our best to make peace with the things that we have found to obsess over, to ruminate about. And we can say, to a large degree, this is out of my control to change or to fix right now. But what I can do is try to, maybe it's be more conscientious of how I act to have better boundaries so I don't get in situations that I don't act well in because I feel frustrated or overwhelmed, that I don't get too close to somebody too quickly, don't get involved in a relationship too quickly that ends up being different than what I thought it was, and then I get hurt. Whatever it might be, just taking those steps to look it over. And even if it's something physical, to say, okay, well, if I'm dissatisfied with that, what can I do about it right now? If there's nothing, then how can I in try to accentuate and focus on other things that I do like? It all comes down to acceptance. If you think of obsessive thinking as like this fiery beast, then acceptance is whatever you want to call it, the kryptonite, the cure, the heavenly angel that comes down and says, you have no power over me. I'm not afraid of you because I am made of love (laughs) and I'm not afraid anymore. When we're not afraid anymore, we don't obsess. Obsessive thinking is wholly and completely rooted in fear, as is anything that goes against our ability to fully love and accept ourselves. It's all fear painted in a different way. When our world learns to move more towards love and away from fear, we will see a drastic change in a very short amount of time. And that's what we're coming closer and closer to. That's why we see so much rumblings and crumbling around the world. We have for a long time, but it's hitting a fever pitch. Because just like as at the individual level, we're all sick and tired of obsessive thinking, of rumination, of feeling like we're going to go crazy because we can't seem to accept ourselves, accept what's happened to us, accept ourselves as we are, make sense of certain things. That's at the individual level. And collectively, we're all suffering from the amount of detriment and devastation that occurs on our planet every day. Yet those things are all based in fear as well. Most of the problems that we have on our world are based in us racing and running and trying to achieve and get and have and do things because we're afraid of something. And it's causing harm and violence and destruction and suffering and illness and addiction and all of these things. So that just got pretty deep. (laughs) But I'm, as you've heard me say before, I'm a big fan of looking at things. Everything is the same at the micro and the macro level. It's just different zooming in, zooming out of the same thing. Our individual experience is not that different from the total human experience. So we start with ourselves. Give yourself some release from obsessive thinking. I hope that these tips were somewhat helpful doing the activity of writing down, giving yourself designated rumination time. And then when you're ready, make your peace the best you can. Even if you're still kind of pissed, even if you're still kind of afraid, even if you can't make peace directly, let's say it's involved with an ex or with a a person you had a fallout with or a coworker, or even with yourself. Even if you can't do it fully, do it the best you can. 
and say, I would like to put this aside for now and express total and complete love for you. It's kind of like I've talked about before, like meeting somebody at the soul level. Like for example, this friend that I had a falling out with. That's kind of how I wrapped it up today is I, I thought I'm sending them so much love because we do love each other no matter what we're going through now. And even if we don't end up coming together and reconciling, I still can see them in the light as they truly are. And I know that deep down they see me that way as well. Because that's another fear too, right? When we end things with somebody, whether again it's a friend or a relationship or things end badly at a job, that we think, oh no, what will this person think of me? It's hard to think that there's someone out there in the world that doesn't like you or that thinks poorly of you or might be speaking ill of you, right? None of the things are pleasant, but it can help a lot to say, I'm making peace with that because I have no control over what this person might do, but I can send them love and I can acknowledge that I have love for them and I only wish them the best. I know not everybody might be able to do that (laughs) and that's okay. This isn't necessarily instructional. I'm offering this. So it's instructional to a degree, but if it doesn't resonate, resonate, then some form of kind of closing it up the best way you can, even if just for, for the night and saying, I make peace with this, even if it's not resolved so I can give myself some freedom, a break, some relief from this cycle of obsessive thinking and rumination. All right, everybody. I hope that was helpful. Have a beautiful day. Take care. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world.